0: Of Internet Wonderland. It's time once again to kick back, relax, and listen to the soothing sounds of the melodious cat streaming through your airways. As we veer once again down the rabbit hole and view into the looking glass of logical madness, welcome to my home. This is Cheshire's Place. Good evening denizens of Internet Wonderland. I hope my voice finds you well. Welcome back to my home. This is Cheshire's Place. As always, I am your host, the melodious one Mr. Cheshire. You can always find me in my small little corner of Internet Wonderland by clicking a like on the Facebook group page, Cheshire's Place, a looking glass in a logical madness. You can listen to this podcast and all of its episodes on anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and many other platforms. And if you ever feel like dropping a line, saying hi, or giving any thoughts or suggestions for upcoming episodes, feel free to email me at LookingGlass at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at PlaceCheshire. Ah, this one is a little bit bittersweet. So, it is that time that we begin wrapping things up for this season, for season two of Cheshire's Place, A Looking Glass and Logical Madness. And we've had some interesting moments on the show. And before I continue, first and foremost, I'd like to thank all the listeners that have been tuning in weekly to listen to this melodious, Melodious feline voice, grace the digital airwaves. I'd like to thank <clears throat> particularly my listeners in not only the US, but also Algeria, Colombia, the United Kingdom. Um, wow, there's so many. Uh, Russia. As I said, there's a lot. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who's liked um, the page on Facebook is greatly appreciated, Um, especially the international listeners giving good praise for the episodes. From the bottom of my heart, it definitely means a lot. But in order to make this show special, I couldn't have done it without my co-host, my best friend, my hetero life mate, the man who who came up with quite a few of season two topics and how they would flow and also did quite a bit of the research. Um, So without further ado, I will introduce him as you know him, the man, the myth, the legend, Monkey. Monkey, how's it going?
1: It goes very well. Thanks again for having me, Cheshire.
0: Hey, man, this show is just as much yours as it is mine now. I mean, it's been a wild ride, especially with season two. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Now, originally, we wanted everyone from Internet Wonderland to be on, but due to personal obligations and also the upcoming holidays, not everyone was able to make it. So right now it's just me and Monkey just coasting on the airwaves. So... You get us for the final episode.
1: feel lucky. Very, very lucky.
0: That's right. Just be blessed at this point. No, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm Actually, just kidding. It's, it's <clears> us
1: as <throat> blessed, and thanks again
0: for, for listening, everybody. Exactly. We, we couldn't have done this show without y'all. Um, hopefully with season three, everything will get better with each episode. Hopefully you'll still... Tune in. Hopefully, you'll get friends and family to listen to us talk about the most random and outlandish things to bring a little bit of logical madness into the world. Um, so, what what we figured that we'd do tonight is just a small recap review of our favorite episodes that we did, um, some of our favorite moments, and you know, just go from there. It's just Pretty simplistic, laid back. No script as usual. We're just going to have fun with it. And with that being said, we will be enacting the Sammy Sunshine Clause, which any at any given point in time, we'll be coughing, taking breaks, clearing our throats, because, you know, it's easier to give the clause as opposed to go back minute by minute and try to edit everything out. That's a lot of
1: work for us. It um, really is. For, for Cheshire, I I just sit here and talk.
0: It is quite a bit of work, and frankly, I like the feel of the realism with what we do for this show. It's very personal. Yeah. You know, it's real life. It's fun. It really is. Um, Also, just in case, we'll also do the um, Ali Simple Clause, which there may be some tasteful language, so to speak, but... Anyone listening to the show under the age of 18, just be advised. We may be doing a little bit of swearing. It won't be too crazy. But <clears throat> before we go into the recap, um, as everyone should know by now, myself and Monkey, we're huge wrestling fans. We watch WWE. We watch AEW once in a while. Um, huge fans in New Japan. So I wanted to talk about tomorrow night's pay-per-view, which is WWE tables, ladders, and chairs. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this, and me and Monkey were actually talking about this yesterday, (laughs) is because the women's tag team match, which is Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, who were the current women's tag champions, versus Asuka and... At first, it was supposed to be Lana, but she got injured during Raw. Uh, Quote-unquote, injured during Raw. Yeah. (laughs) Push-kill! Anyways, um, so now they have to try to find a new partner for Asuka. Now, on the dirt sheets, as we know, they're talking about Charlotte coming back during this pay-per-view and being Asuka's... Partner, Due to the fact that a few months ago on the show, um, Nia Jax injured Charlotte, and that was the reason why she was off the show. But as we know, she had to have surgery on um, some bits and pieces. We'll just say it that way. So me and Monkey just began wondering, who would be a good tag team partner for Asuka?
1: We went from, you know, really good choices to it would just be hilarious and messed up if they did this choices. And it was pretty fun and interesting.
0: So we're going to go get we're going to give you a brief recap of this conversation. Um, some of the choices would actually make some damn good sense. Right. Others, you'd be scratching your head wondering why. So, Monkey, you want to kick this one off?
1: Okay, well, we'll start off with the decent, make-sense-would-be-good-to-do choices. Um, so one of the ones that we, we brought up because of, uh, in case people aren't very well aware of what's going on, uh, last Monday's Raw was a very, very disappointing in, in the rating systems of everything from viewership to... Even the uh, the demographic ratings, to the point where there was talks that the creative and writers and whatnot were told to bring up a list of wrestlers that aren't featured that they think should be featured more. And one of the names that was on that list, and this would be a really good push for them, was Billy Kay, or not Billy Kay, sorry Peyton Royce. Peyton Royce <laughs> Billy yes. Kay is kind of is on SmackDown, so. My, the, the two Australians get get me confused, yeah, because Australians all look the same. No, they
0: don't. But. No. no, no <laughs> I'll, I'll say um, no offense to anyone that is from Australia. Y'all do not look the same whatsoever. Um, they
1: all wear that hat, you know, <laughs> and go after crocodiles and yell, crikey!
0: Let's not go with stereotypes <laughs> because the last thing we need is Peyton Royce or even um, Australian wifey Rhea Ripley True. coming and knocking on the door. Although...
1: And come on, we we know another Australian ourselves personally, and he's he was pretty cool when we talked
0: to him, and that's Scott Justice. So, yeah, exactly. Shout out to Scott Justice. I know that you're. Is he still active in wrestling? Well?
1: Um, last I heard, he he was back in Australia, and he had that uh that gaming shop he opened up.
0: Oh yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah, that was pretty cool looking. Oh, but okay, but anyways, Peyton Royce was 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 one of the names that we were throwing around, um, because well, uh, she was she was set to get a push as a singles wrestler. And and that's one of the reasons why they broke up the Iconics, but then they threw her into a tag team again with uh, another one of the options that we were talking about, we'll talk about probably here. And then she just kind of disappeared from TV again.
0: Right, exactly. So, I mean, it would be a huge boon for um, Peyton to come back on and actually be Asuka's tag partner. But one of the choices that I had, um, because they were talking about this, and there was a lot of controversy behind this wrestler, um, and most people will probably know who I'm talking about, and that's um, that's uh, Tessa Blanchard. Right. Because she has the accolades, She's been a world champion wherever she's been at, but yet there's been a lot of controversy, a lot of concern with her due to um, professional ethic.
1: We'll say Allegations Yeah of her. much better allegations Because again the only ones that really know what happened Would be herself and People involved but You know everyone saying Taking one person's say as
0: gospel
1: And it's kind of hard to say you know What really actually happened without being there yourself So
0: Exactly A grain um, of salt like they say Right right So we do have to discuss one of the far out there ideas and i'm I'm gonna start with this one because i actually do follow their podcast i actually have one of them on facebook and i used to actually talk with her quite a bit um who i'm talking about and this is actually going to be kind of funny but i say we bring back the toughest man who's ever worn a dress Vito.
1: that'd be awesome and yeah, it'd be an outlandish, crazy thought process, but yeah, uh, I, I, I can see it working. Good.
0: So before we continue, shout out to um, Vito and his wife, Noelle LaGrasso. Um, they do have the podcast, The Big Vito Brand. It's pretty much a nice little network that they do. Um, they have a podcast called um, Mr. Versus Mrs., and they do some very interesting topics on there. So uh, shout out to Vito and Noelle. Um, I do love y'all's podcast. It's very hilarious. So, you know, hopefully y'all get to listen to this. And, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully eventually I'll be able to have y'all on the show as well because that'd be interesting. Wow. Uh, all right. What what do you have for an outlandish one?
1: Well, this one was kind of an outlandish, but also it's what I would say a very reasonable option if, if they were to do it. And that would be to bring back AJ Lee because again um they were in talks with wanting to bring her back uh she's currently uh had had her book deal that went a while back and um the the biggest controversy with her is that obviously she's married to CM Punk who's had some issues with WWE but obviously he's willing to work with them on the side extent of when he was working with the uh what was it? Uh, backstage. Yeah, with it, that the, they the had on on FS1 yeah. before. Uh, but yeah, so he is you know willing to work with WWE. It might not be directly, but um, you know that was one of the thoughts that I had, which would be really awesome. And you know, again, AJ Lee was one of the biggest highlights of the mid attitude to almost post attitude era of yeah. WWE. Uh, being the longest reigning Divas champion for the longest time until they gave it to Nikki Bella. and that, That's all in her story.
0: Yeah, we won't discuss that. Um, <clears throat> another idea that I actually had that would be a good one, but yet she's currently in NXT, and it's actually Asuka's old tag team partner, Io Shirai. Right. For those who actually follow Japanese wrestling, um, Asuka, who was at the time known as Kana, um, Io Shirai and Eo's sister Mio Shirai were part of the um, team called Twin Tails. Yeah. And they were actually a very strong tag team group that they had whenever they were wrestling. I think it, it wasn't in Shimmer, was it?
1: Um, I want to say it was in Smash for a while. It's but either Smash or Stardom. One of those two. Probably Stardom because uh, a lot of, because uh, uh, Kana, Asuka, um, uh, Kari Sane and Eo Shirai were, were very main fixtures in stardom. Right. So,
0: so maybe there. We'll, we'll do some research, and whenever we come back from break, we'll be able to give more of a definite answer on that. Um, all right, what do you have?
1: Um, another interesting good choice, I would say, um, because from the words that I was hearing a while back, and, you know, take with the grain of salt again, would be... Uh, former TNA knockout champion uh, Taya Valkyrie. Yeah. Because, um, again, she has ties to WWE already being the wife of John Morrison on Raw, so it would make really good sense to bring her in. And because, again, WWE does like to try to keep their uh, spouse couples happy, if they can, by keeping them on the same brand area. And Taya Valkyrie is an accomplished uh, female wrestler. And... It would make perfect sense to bring her in, and she would be a very definite bonus to a style that
0: is very well liked and would be very good to see. So, for those who don't know Taya Valkyrie, she is the queen of lucha libre. She is. She was the um, AAA Women's Champion. She was on Lucha Underground. She's She's world traveled She has lots of experience and her style is a very good mixture of technical and lucha. So it'd be nice to have her on the roster. Mm -hmm. Now, one that I thought of that is a very, very long shot, um, mainly because she's retired. Mm -hmm. And we actually went through quite a few retired wrestlers. But I almost thought of Gail Kim as a good... Tag team partner for Asuka. But the thing is, um, WWE and Gail Kim really didn't part with the best um, working relationship. Right. So that's why it's another one of those long shots. So, but it would be nice to see because, you know, Gail is still in shape. You could probably, she could probably still go in the ring. And she had a very unique style as well. She,
1: she was one of the few during the time when she was an active member of the WWE roster that could actually wrestle uh, as a female wrestler. Um, again, during the time she was there, uh, the main focus on a lot of the female talent at the time was looks and not ability, which obviously that was not the way to go, And but it drew in the ratings, and that's what they wanted at the time. True. True, true. So, um, my go now. Uh, Another interesting thought process I had um, for another person. And kind of, since they really didn't do anything with her, and they brought her up as part of Retribution when they started the Retribution angle, but then she dropped out of it. And the word was that she was supposed to go back to NXT, but they haven't shown her for a while still, so she could still technically jump to Raw and be Asuka's tag team partner would be Mercedes Martinez Um, again she's got a background in MMA she has great ability and it would be a great match to have her against Shayna Baszler who she never actually had a match against when she was still part of NXT and it would be a very good um, combination of styles with her and Asuka as a strong style group
0: Granted, they would wreck any Mm. competition that they had in front of them. And you're right. It would be a very wonderful matchup to see Shayna versus Mercedes. Hopefully, if WWE creative would get their heads out of their asses, they would be able to think of something like that. But that's going to be a a conversation for another time. Maybe season three. (laughs) Maybe right off the bat. Who knows? We'll we'll see what happens. But... All right, so I think we should go with a couple of more outlandish ones. So one that I actually thought of that would be absolutely screwy: um, putting Rikishi in a dress and having her be um, having him be Oscar's tag partner,
1: uh, <laughs> which would just be kind of funny but kind of in bad taste
0: um it would be but you know as i said just outlandish um also shout out to rikishi if somehow you listen to this um we just mean this all in fun and jest. and um,
1: considering he is technically related to naya jackson he's i want to say one of her uncles in yeah. one way or another because being cousins with the rock and the entire Samoan family dynasty that's been known in WWE and wrestling all, all over. So, yeah, that, that would be very, very weird and funny and
0: interesting all at once. <laughs> it would be. It would be. All right, so your turn. All right. Well, this one
1: is kind of borderline outlandish, but kind of, okay, I can see it working. Um, And this was the person that I was kind of making reference to earlier, which was Lacey Evans, currently on Raw. Uh, they kind of haven't really done anything with her. She was part of the Women's Survivor Series tag team. Uh, which um, was kind of as a shoo-in because since Mandy Rose got injured, legitly, so yeah. they pulled Mandy Rose and Dan Brooke out. So that would be a very reasonable person to put in there, but again, she would obviously be kind of a clash with Oscar because since she is technically healing it up right now, and um, but I could I could see her cutting a promo because of her. Normal promo style of calling everyone nasties. And I mean, look, we got Nia Jax and Shane Baszler, who are kind of the nastiest, meanest women on the roster. So, I, I mean, they, mean, come on. They put Lana through a table like eight weeks in a row. <laughs> I
0: thought it was nine weeks in a row. I Probably mean, nine. I, I, I lost mean...
1: track and. It was still funny. Every
0: well, time. we'll have to watch what culture wrestling and because they kept actual track of how many right. times she went through. They a were having problems keeping
1: track of it apparently. But
0: <laughs> come on, they keep they keep count of how many times there's a surprise roll up finish. They kind of probably lost track of that too. They just gave up. <laughs> now they're on one of two right now. Uh, oh, shout out to what culture wrestling, um, Simon Simon Miller and the entire group. I wish I could remember all your names. I was about to say there's um, Jack
1: the Jobber. There's eighteen different atoms. Um. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was going to say like Ollie, and then I remember that Ollie that's does. Russell Talk. Yeah, that's Russell Talk. Also, shout out the Russell Talk too. Um, we're trying not to mix and match people that are on YouTube channels because you know it gets confusing at times. Well, they're, they're- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <you're, laughs> just just leave it alone. Um, <laughs> Here we go. (laughs) All right. So, matter of fact, let's go ahead and talk about those WWE ratings. Because we might as well go ahead and just do it, seeing how we already touched on it. Now, we know that this was the lowest Mm -hmm. rated Raw ever. Right. And this is two years shy of when the WWE um, viewership was at um, 2.5 million and when the entire McMahon family came out. And made the pledge that there will not be in an authority. The fans are the authority. We're going to give the fans what they want. Do you consider their low ratings as the wake-up call that they needed to realize that they're screwing the pooch? Well, the low
1: ratings is obviously going to always be questionable, you know, because we all know people are fickle. Right. You know, they... I am guilty of as much as anyone else and probably more so than anyone else because of my own personal things where I lose interest in things no matter how high I am on it for a long time. Um WWE um has kind of gone that wayward way where they they kind of got are in a in a hitch of how they want to do things which and by how they want to do things it's technically Vince McMahon how he wants to do things. He likes a certain thing. He likes it to be a certain way. And if it's not the way that he likes it, he doesn't let it flow through. Now, granted, he has had some great times where he he has let some things change up and he's let it go and it's gone pretty good. There are times where he's done what he wanted to do and it went very well. I mean, the entire fact that WWE is still around is a testament to Vince McMahon, you know, being how he is. Right. So, uh, but the biggest thing I would say is um, the problem that I would say I have with the current WWE product is that, yes, we all know it's a scripted show, and they're, they're treating it more like a TV movie production than they are of a wrestling show. Now, the problem with that is is that, yes, it can get hokey sometimes, but the focus of the actual wrestling style could be a little bit more focused. I would say a good 50-50 match as opposed to what at this point here is almost a 80-20% match of more... Theatrics and um, movie stylism than the 20% actual wrestling or match or even, you know, one of the things that they did a while back with the Raw Underground where they were doing the MMA stuff kind of thing. Now, that can go a little both ways sometimes, but... That, that's, I think, where, our, where the biggest problem has been at, and That's what many, many critics have been talking about for many years is that WWE has gone way over the top where they treat it more like Hollywood than they do wrestling. And that's what the, the biggest issue I think has been at.
0: Right. I mean, I definitely agree with you fully on everything. They do need more actual wrestling. And they also need to start pushing their home, their actual newer homegrown talent because, granted, yes, we love Randy Orton, we love Seamus, we love um, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, but we're not going to bow to him. I'm sorry, Roman, we're <laughs> actually bowing right now. But oh,
1: we're around you. Don't, don't, don't kill us. Don't hurt us.
0: Please don't. Please don't. Um, but they need to be pushing... Like your Keith Lees, your Matt Riddles, your Mia Yems, your Ricochets, because it seems like all the talent that they had in NXT that they called up, with the exception of a couple here and there, have been buried. Right. You know, they've been absolutely demolished in the WWE main roster machine, because Vince one minute will be high on someone like Peyton Royce. Mm -hmm. And by next week, forget that she existed. I mean, we even see it with Lars Sullivan. But then again, Lars's story is a little bit different. He's got a little bit checkered history there. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I'm going to go with like Ricochet Mm -hmm. because Ricochet has all the talent in the world. He has charisma. He has my skills. His athleticism is above and beyond. He is a living, breathing superhero. But yet, just because he doesn't fit the WWE main roster mold, so to speak, where it has to be a bigger guy with like unbelievable strength, he just got pushed to the wayside. And it's very apparent, especially like now with Alistair Black. Which, I mean, with Alistair, you know, he was somewhat being utilized in terms of the Rey Mysterio, Seth Rollins storyline, but, you know, we haven't seen much of him on the air, but then again, that's also relating to the concerns with his wife in WWE, which we won't get into that because we've already done so, but, you know, it's just... This messed up that they have all this fresh talent that they've recruited, that they've trained up in the WWE style that did extremely well. They flourished in NXT, but as soon as they got called up, they were just tossed aside. Right. So, so it it just bugs
1: me. Well, the the other thing is is that um there there are some of them to even mention as well. Andrade uh, uh, Angel Garza, who right now a lot of people are saying that McMahon is high on and he wants, he's, he's thinking of pushing him. But it's like, you know, when are they going to do it? Uh, he's on main event right now. So it's like, there's no, that's not the place to feature your main talent. You You put the, you know, you would put the one person that you want to get better on main main event and then have them battle what they call enhancement talent people mm-hmm. not have them wrestle each other that are supposed to be quote unquote main talent as well. Um, that's where a lot of the issues unfortunately are. And it's like, uh, as a side note, uh, Andrew Garza wasn't there of those guys on that list of people that are being underutilized. So, so maybe he is set for a push. Um, we'll see, we'll see what happens from there
0: though. I mean, let's even talk about this list because, There's so many good individuals on the list. I mean, Angel Garza, Peyton Royce, Cesaro. Right. Um, We even had a good in-depth conversation about Cesaro because the man is a tank. He's a beast. I mean, come on. He can clean
1: jerk one-handed, what, uh, 120 or 220? 220. Yeah, single-handedly, one hand clean jerk on both arms.
0: Like, and he does it all. He he's a very strong mat tactician. Yeah. He has charisma. He has great promo skills. He can be a heel or a face. He he could be a singles competitor or a tag competitor. Mm-hmm. The man is well rounded, but yet he is so underutilized in the WWE. I mean, I remember watching him as Claudio in Shikara. Yeah and he put on amazing matches and then whenever he was in NXT mm-hmm. amazing matches you know when he went
1: downhill <clears throat> is when he lost his first name
0: yeah yeah when he
1: became a single named person that that's one of the, the the running gags in WWE is that whenever a talent gets called up from the from NXT to the main roster they do pretty decently until they lose one of their names yeah. Like, for instance, Matt Riddle is not just Riddle. Uh, Andrade San Almos is now just Andrade. Uh, I'm waiting for Angel Garza to just be
0: called Garza or just Angel. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Remember when Apollo Crews lost? Yeah.
1: Yep. yep. And Well, I think they're calling him Apollo Crews again now, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. So. Once he actually was in contendership for the U.S. title. Yeah. That's when they just start calling him Apollo Crews, and that's whenever he started having his push and everything. And now he's going to be um, in the Intercontinental yeah. title picture a little bit. Um, or even um, uh,
1: Mustafa Ali. Yep. Uh, when, when they dropped his Mustafa part and just called him Ali for a while. Yeah, so, again, it, it, it's a running gag, and if you really look at it, the it, moment someone gets called up to the main roster, I, I'm waiting for them to drop Drew McIntyre and just call him just McIntyre. Didn't
0: they do that for a while? I think they did. They did.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. There you go. So, well, the moment they start start calling him just McIntyre, that's when you know he's gonna gonna lose his push.
0: Either that, or they're gonna have him face off against Triple H, and Triple H is gonna put him in the sleeper hold. Oh, I'm sorry, oh. the push kill, <gasps> and Triple H will win the title. Hey, okay, no, 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 no. Okay. Uh shout out to Triple H and uh Stephanie McMahon. We do love y'all very much. Um ish. ish. But anyways. <laughs> All right, carrying on. <laughs> but anyways, I mean I am excited for the pay-per-view. Right. I do wish that they would push more of their younger talent. I mean, hell, AEW is within their second year and they're pushing some good talent. Well speaking of AEW here we go.
1: <laughs> the, the the fun segue of everything else from right now. Um, so as few have probably heard, and many wrestling fans have probably heard right by now, um, Jim Ross, JR, good old JR, probably one of the most recognized commentators in wrestling history. Yeah. Uh, has his own podcast as well, and he made a comment about how convoluted it is that – Everybody starts to kind of group up outside of the ring, and you know, that's when you when somebody decides to jump out and do a big dive on everybody and help. It seems to happen in every single match, and everyone can see it happening. And you know, it's at the point where they're just kind of hugging out there as opposed to even actually doing anything, and so. You know he, he got some flack back for that comment he made, um, but from some of the AEW wrestlers who, um, are very guilty of doing said thing that he's he, he mentioned. And uh, apparently, there was actually a point where on the recent AEW where that exact spot happened. Go figure, yeah. And uh, of course, uh, at the after backstage took place there was a apparent uh, tongue lashing from producers and whatnot to the the groups of personnel that were involved in that spot happening because he said that basically that's exactly what Jim Ross had called was was the problem and they here they are doing it in spite of it which again yes it is a nice lovely spot to happen in a match but as even Jim Cornette will say, we don't need to see it happen every single match.
0: Exactly.
1: That's... Uh, it's predictable. Know, it is predictable, and it does take away the value of it happening.
0: And there has to be a good mixture of high-flying and technical and brawling and everything to make a wrestling match work. Um, it doesn't have to have a lot of high spots. right? You know... As we both know, tell a story.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, As a good, good rule of thumb, um, and love him or hate him, Jim Cornette does make very valid points on what he states. Like, if you watch any old matches from back in the 80s or even before then, whenever you see a chair pop out or someone go through a table, it was like more of a holy crap Moment as opposed to now, these days, everyone's got a chair, everyone's got a Singapore cane, everyone's got a table, everyone's doing a dive. You know, it's like it no longer has that impact anymore,
0: exactly. And you know, as much as I love innovation, Mm -hmm. you still have to build up that innovation through actions and through story. Whenever you're in the ring, you know, make those things special right you know granted yeah we see people come out with loads of weapons right and it's not really needed i mean i would understand if there was a stipulation match you know falls count anywhere bring weapons hardcore matches what have you um the pole on a pole match
1: pretty much it's a
0: pole on a pole match it's It's all piled on top of each other. (laughs) Exactly, but it doesn't have to happen every match and every show. You know, make go back and make those things special. Right. Like even with like um, Kevin Owens promo last night from SmackDown. Right. You know that was something special.
1: Exactly, and and that was the that told the story. Yes, there was a lot of weapon usage and whatnot, but at least it, as you watch the show, it progressed and it told a story if you really look at it. You can see Roman Reigns's, you know, expression go from I'm gonna take you out to what do I have to do? Exactly to take this guy out.
0: Exactly. So all we're just saying is don't always do it every show and damn there every match. It isn't needed. There, you can tell the you can do so many things to accentuate the actual match, and it doesn't always have to be like crazy high spots unless if it's that type of match. I mean, Mexico, yeah. Japan, they do lots of high flying. We love it, but for something like WWE, you want a mixture of both. Right,
1: and again, it's the the whole analogy of even if you look at old. WCW from like the mid nineties before it went to to crap. Um, yeah, it, the aspect of it was you had your lucha libre cruiserweight matches, you had your technical matches with your, um, you know, I guess you could say a Western American style wrestling. You had your matches with the European style wrestling in it. Each match had meaning at that point. But now yes, a lot of styles have become more of a combination of all those styles. But it has lost that flair because of the point of everyone every match is almost the same match now. Uh, if if you if you put a match in the ring, you'll say okay, it's going to start off like this. Then it's going to go to this. Then everyone's going to do dives. Then everyone's going to get hit with canes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. Now, the best example of a match that definitely had a story that was hard hitting. Oh, sorry, I need to be closer to the mic. Um, <clears throat> that I enjoyed was actually the Champa Thatcher match yes. from War Games recently, because that match told a story. It had a very unique style to it. Is right. very technical. Is very smash mouth. You know, it hearkened back to the old school ways, whether you're an American or even if you're a fan of British wrestling, there was a lot that it had to offer. And it didn't have, like, crazy high spots. It didn't have weapons. It was two giant bowl of men just going at it. So I definitely enjoyed that one
1: that in and even the the, the Volter versus uh Illy Draco match. Yep. For the UK NXT title. That again another hard hitting match. They were all over the place with it, but it wasn't overly convoluted to, you know, this is what the craziness is. It was it told a story during the entire match. It went from um just hard hitting to, you know, hit me, I'm going to you know bow back and then hit you back and you know it's it was very flowing it, and exactly didn't need any of that crazy you know throwing garbage cans jumping off tables going through tables Even though I think there was a little bit of that in there, I can't remember. There was
0: a little bit, but But it it still made the match.
1: It didn't overkill it. Exactly. It it was used at the right time to give that right punctuation, and that was it.
0: Exactly. So, we're going to take a small break, and when we come back, we're actually going to dive into our favorite episodes, our least favorite episodes, our favorite moments um, during season two, and... We'll just go from there and keep it going so we'll be right back give us a few moments and enjoy <laughs> Back from our small little break So we did make sure to do our Research on the team that Io Shirai Mio Shirai and Kana Also known as Asuka was on And what promotions they worked for So Monkey you have that for us?
1: Yes So um, they were Twin Tails And then when they brought in Io Shirai It became Triple Tails um, And they were in uh Smash and Pro Wrestling Wave. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with Smash, Smash was actually, uh, the organization that was actually owned and operated by former WWE, ECW alumni, uh, Tajiri. So, very, very fun, uh, place from what I saw of it. Uh, they had a lot of great talent that showed up there. Uh, one of the guys that we knew directly, actually a couple of them, uh, showed up there, um. Canadian wrestlers Adam Knight and Mentalo both showed up there at one point. Uh, Another guy that's currently on the indie circuit uh, named D-Ray or as I think he's currently called D-Ray 2000 um, made made an appearance there as well at one point. And D-Ray I think still has one of the best gimmicks right now where he's doing the the, the show enough gimmick right now which is pretty badass.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So I think it's time that we go ahead and start discussing some of our favorite moments, some of our least favorite moments, um, and just the overall experience of season two. Um, You know, season two was definitely a, um, it was an experience. It was. I mean, we had a lot of firsts. Not to be confused with the Jim Cornette experience, but. Uh, Shout out to Jim Cornette, um, we the great uh, Brian last. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we love your show as always. We can't get enough of it. We always listen to the experience. We listen to the drive through. We listen to the snippets of each show whenever there's a specific topic that you know that we find interesting,
1: like the Undertaker's <clears throat> cameo appearances and uh, oh god, the the uh, introduction of Jade Cargill <laughs> on Edom. Ye-
0: yeah. Um, It was actually due to that that I actually watched the Dusty Rhodes promo. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, not Dusty. Um, Brandy Rhodes promo. And by far, like, their description of it was absolutely beautiful because (laughs) um, if y'all ever get a chance, go on Jim Cornette's um, YouTube channel and look up that um, part of the experience Um, because the way that him and Brian just talk about it. It was pure gold. It was absolutely amazing. But anyways. um, Yes. (laughs) You know, season two was definitely a lot of firsts. I mean, we had, um, I had the opportunity to interview Lara Thomas. That was my first time doing an interview on Skype. Um, The first geeking around the table. Um you became more of a permanent fixture I on the did. show. I, I
1: I got I got hijacked and and uh bamboozled into this situation and it's been pretty fun. I like it.
0: I mean, it, it's definitely been fun all around with everything, but I think we should talk about some of our favorite episodes. Right. So I'm gonna let you go first. So what was one of your favorite episodes that you did?
1: Well, one of my favorite episodes, and I say favorite because it meant a lot to me, was when we did our discussion about holiday depression. Because, um, like many people have stated before, depression is one of the biggest things that a lot of people are dealing with, especially right now with the pandemic and just the holidays around and a lot of people not being able to go out and and have family time like they're used to doing. Right. It it is something that a lot of people are dealing with. Um a, a nice little interesting fact that we didn't get to put out on that episode and I and we talked about it afterwards the, like a couple days later was the amount of people that actually had depression and <clears throat> excuse me. And uh are very actually famous people like uh for instance um you got um uh, actors like uh, Robin Williams, Chris Farley, uh, musicians like Chris Cornell and uh, uh, Chad Bennington, yeah. or Chester, excuse me, Bennington and uh, uh, Kurt Cobain, um, comedians. Uh, there are many a people who are who have suffered and are suffering from depression, and um, I'm not going to say that you know depression makes them more of a good person that people enjoy because of that. But it is a seen fact that, yes, um, the term tortured genius, as many people will say, is a very real fact that some of these people are the way they are because of their depression. But um, that may have brought them to the the main light, but that doesn't make them, quote-unquote, happy just because they're now famous because of it. I mean, look at what happened with the, these people I've listed. Um, they, they've passed away due to personal issues, personal demons. And it's a very real thing that depression does affect many people on many levels. And just because you're rich and famous doesn't mean you're immune to it.
0: Right. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite episodes was actually the first interview with Lara Thomas. Because, you know, as I said, first time using Skype. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how it would go, especially with editing and everything. But, you know, it was just interesting, um, an interesting process. And in just being able to talk to Lara after knowing her for so many years mm-hmm. and seeing how she's doing. Which, um, recently, she just won an award for her book.
1: Nice, nice.
0: <clears throat> and I still know that her second one's coming out. Um, I definitely... Uh, Lara, if you're listening, I know that you do listen to the podcast from time to time. Um, I definitely want you to be on for season three. I know that your second book is going to be coming out here pretty soon. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to get you on. We'll be able to discuss the second book and all your other projects that will be coming down the pipeline. And, you know, it's just always a good time having her just on. Um especially like the second interview that we did, which was dealing with relationships whenever I tried doing the relationship series. You know, that was actually a good insight having her on as well. Um, I do also have to say that another episode that I enjoyed was The Dark Side of the Ring. Yes, even though we had to reshoot that like three times. (laughs) So (laughs) we mentioned this before, Um, the first time that we did it, it became a two day process of talking about each episode. And when I tried editing it and putting it on anchor, well, anchor doesn't allow anything to go over two hours. And this episode was like six hours
1: and so on. Yeah.
0: we, We spent like on day one, like close to five hours on this Mm -hmm. and then day two we tried fitting in like the additional hour and some odd minutes. yeah and then we had to come back and condense everything
1: and then that was like three hours
0: (laughs) and then we had to go back one more time and what is on here right now is the finished product. Right. So that one, it was my favorite because, I mean, we both love the show. Right. And I can't wait for season three to come out. Definitely, definitely.
1: There's there's a lot of good topics on that one, including um, Brian Pillman, I believe, is one of the ones yep. that they're going to feature on that one as well, which is a very tragic story about him and whatnot from there. For those who are not familiar with Brian Pillman, was probably one of the Biggest names in the 80s to, to early 90s, yeah. uh, from his transition from WCW to WWE, where he um, really brought in his character of uh, what they called the loose cannon, where um, he was supposed to be very sporadic, and uh, even to the point where when he first started doing it in WCW it totally freaked the hell out of uh, Bobby Heenan where he let slip an F-bomb on national live TV because he didn't know he was going to do it.
0: I remember that. That was actually hilarious. Um, But just the passion that we put in that one because of the research and going back through. I mean, we spent – how many hours on research alone did we – we were
1: basically breaking it down – all the little bits of tidbits of information about the wrestlers involved in the information, um, and then even just kind of trying to give a synopsis of each episode, uh, which is one of the reasons why the initial take was so long. And then we we basically just broke it down to here's the quick synopsis, and then here's the you know top threes of these these three categories we came out with.
0: Yeah, it made it a lot easier. I mean. And even during the research and the initial taping, I mean, it was a very emotional thing for us because, I mean, dealing with, like, the Owen Hart episode. Mm -hmm.
1: um, Yep. And then the Chris Benoit slash Eddie Guerrero, technically, because the first half, it kind of focused on the Eddie Guerrero aspect of it, which, as many people have attributed, the Chris Benoit incident kind of spiraled down from the initial Eddie Guerrero thing, which is... The only way it could be really talked about without it being just completely blacklisted as a glorifying of the Chris Benoit incident.
0: Exactly. Um, what was another one of your favorite episodes?
1: Uh, one of my favorite episodes, besides all of these, um, would probably have to be one of the first Geeking Around the Table we did. Because it was a good, everyone kind of got together. We got to all discuss little bits and pieces of, of our geekdom fandoms and whatnot. And we were able to kind of all talk about different little things. And it was a very convoluted mess of things, but it was actually <laughs> very fun to do. And
0: It, it really was. And, yes, um, me, Baby Allie, and Spoinkle Bob may or may not have had a couple of drinks during the— uh, I was unable to partake because I had to work. <laughs> so, so that made it fun. Um, it, it was definitely a good time. Yeah. Because we didn't know how geeking around the table would work. Right. We thought it would just be pure chaos. And Which was, it was, but it was chaos in a fun way. <laughs> exactly. Like, I look forward to geeking around the tables because, you know, we get to talk about something that we all enjoy and it's also educational. Yeah. Like, um... Allie and Ryan, so baby Allie and Bob, there was a lot of stuff that they didn't know about the geek world, and right. we just opened their eyes to a lot of stuff that is going on. Um, we even introduced them to a new show, which hopefully they'll be watching. Yes. So you want to give the name?
1: Yes. Uh, the show we were talking about, and we're probably going to do a review about it in season three, probably around beginning of February, if not tail end of January. Um, it's a very interesting show. It came out, well, I'd say about a year or so ago. It yeah. was two years ago at this point, uh, called Thunderbolt Fantasy. Excuse me. Um, and Thunderbolt Fantasy, for those of you who are not familiar with it, is, um, if you ever watched the old 80s, 70s show Thunderbirds, or if you remember the, uh, 90s movie of, or, or early 2000s movie of. Uh, Team America, brought to you by the wonderful people who brought you South Park, you know, Matt Stone, Jay Parker. Uh, <laughs> it, they're all puppets. And I came apart upon the series when I was um, doing some, uh, watching some series that I was uh, keeping track of, to say the least. Uh, and I, I realized this show in my list was labeled as live action. And at first I was like, what the heck is this? is this like some kind of K drama or J drama and it's it's mixed in with my anime that I I'm 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 keeping track of and I start watching it and I'm like what the wait are those puppets? Oh my god. This is so awesome. <laughs> it, just just check it out and you, you'll see where my uh my my uh well I guess the best term is nerdgasm came from just seeing this. Uh, it, it's just great to watch. It it has that weird goofy-lookingness of it because they're all puppets, but then you get to see the the over-the-top craziness of when they're doing the sword fights, and and then when you see someone get slashed, and you see the blood splatter, it's like,
2: wow!
0: This is awesome. (laughs) So, for those who are huge, old-school kung-fu heads like I am, Mm -hmm. if you like the old um, Golden Harvest and Shaw Brother movies that are um, full of action and crazy gore, um, the old school wu mm-hmm. genre of movies that we even see today. Um, this is a very good throwback to fantasy wu um, jia. Almost, it's almost like Storm Riders. It's like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's um, you know, it has a lot of good influences with the stories and how the characters are. Um, definitely. Give it a watch. We definitely will be reviewing it in season three, um, oh, yeah. because this is a good chance for us to rewatch it. Yes, and just be able to give y'all a good deep dive of the show without going over. Uh, hopefully, it's not a a six hour process. <laughs> it shouldn't be. Oh, <laughs> we we've learned our lesson. All right. Did so we, did we really learn our lesson? Did we? No, we didn't. Okay. Yeah. When do we ever? Exactly. Honestly. Uh, <laughs> All right, so now let's talk about our one of our you know the least favorites, the ones that could have been a little bit better. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
1: it's kind of hard to call something a least favorite. Um, uh, I don't really know if I had a least favorite because again, this is all things that have been fun and enjoyable, something new for me. Right. Um, again, I I I will be the first to say and some of you probably that listen to this don't really like the sound of my voice. And I personally also don't like the sound of my own <laughs> voice. So I, I know I tend to babble and talk on and on, but that's kind of one of the things why this was a very, uh, not enthusiastic leap for me initially. I mean, I, I was happy to be here to support Cheshire, who's, as he said, he's, he's a very close friend, family to me, basically. And we've, And I I wanted to help him out as best as I can. And, you know, this was something that we were able to just talk about, some fun, geeky things that we like to talk about. And, you know, hey, I guess some other people may be interested in some of the weirdness that we talk about.
0: Exactly. Um, All right, so I'm not going to say that I have a least favorite. Right. Because the thing is, the ones that would be considered my least favorite were all due to technical difficulties. That would probably be the only
1: thing I can say about any of them that would be problematic to us. Like the one time where the programming yeah. just didn't want to work, and we had a half half in a in a nice way of saying it.
0: So, for those who have listened to season one, season two, you notice know, that there was a lot of issues with the microphones and the reason why is because i was trying to use a virtual audio cable which now i got everything fixed because i had to buy the full program as opposed to the trial program which after so many minutes of use will start saying trial trial like within every 10 seconds of someone trying to talk so yeah i had to fork over 30 bucks but at least now everyone that is involved with the geeking around the tables or if i have to do any type of interviews here will have a microphone you'll be able to listen to them so that, that's the only real downside that i have with some of the earlier episodes especially leading into season two i mean we had that issue with um the pockets of joy episode in season one when introducing ryan and Allie and you know, it, it was just, I'm just happy that now we have everything figured out for that. And hopefully I can actually learn how to move some stuff over to MP4s and put it on YouTube and you all that fun stuff. You see our
1: wonderful faces,
0: which, yeah. Eventually, eventually. Who knows? Maybe for season three, I may break down and put us on Twitch and get webcams and all that stuff. So uh, I
1: may have to invest in like a, a Lucha Mask or something and be like, Yes! That is a top-owned hero.
0: <laughs> oh, God. I, I can only imagine how that would work. But um, that's one of the ideas that I have for season three, maybe season four, once I figure everything out. Because eventually I do want people to see us, you know, in the flesh, so to speak, you know, without being naked, you know, just see our happy smile. See flesh. This. Oh, God. Here we go. But anyways, um... So I do have to talk about one interesting experience with the show. Oh, and it's dealing with the geeking around the tables, and that is the movie challenges mm-hmm. that we gave um, Baby Allie and Spoinkle Bob. Right. And honestly, the movie choices, the majority of them were your idea. Right. Well,
1: the the initial idea was your idea, but I was like, "Come on, we're not. We shouldn't try to." just kill them and get them out of this completely. (laughs) They'll never trust you again, which they kind of already
0: don't, but, you know. (laughs) So the entire thing was, um, I wanted to do like the worst of the worst. I wanted to go beyond Mystery Science Theater 3000. And I had some very interesting choices, which one of them turned out to be the final challenge that they had to watch, which was Mano's Hands of Fate. Like, I was choosing movies so far out there that people probably won't remember unless if they are huge, huge, like, B-flick aficionados. I
1: don't um, even know if you'd call some of those B-flicks. They're, they're like, more like H-flicks or almost down to Q-flicks, I think, at that point.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, But Monkey Talked Me Out of It, and we came up with the list that we originally started using. So having Feast on there and He Never Died and, you know, the Fantastic Four movie. Right. Um, Then, of course, Manos being the final one. So it it was a very unique passion project on our part to get them to watch the movies. Right. And now with season three coming, we are going to be a little bit nicer to them. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's what
1: we'll say. We'll say nicer.
0: Yeah, we're, we're not going to scar them, but we're going to give them different genres of movies to watch. Um, there's still going to be B movies. There's going to okay. be a good mixture of things. I mean, we already alluded to the first one, which will be the original Shaft, um, which stars Richard Roundtree and the titler um, role. Yes. You know, pretty much Shaft was the go-to black exploitation movie.
1: It, it was it was black and seventies at its pinnacle.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could have went with Sweetback's um, sweet ass ride. I actually, what was the yeah, name? That of sounds that? more like a porno. <laughs> um, so it was, which um, is very seventies stuff. It man. was uh, Melvin Van Peebles' first movie that he Melvin or Mario Van Peeble? Melvin. It was oh. the father. Now, granted, um, it was Sweetback. Sweet at I can't remember the name of it. Um, I'll look it up. Another time, but um, this was Melvin Van Peeble's first movie that he written, that he directed, that he produced. Um, it was done within a number of days, but uh, it was like, that would be considered the essential black exploitation movie. And it's hard to find a copy of it. Mm. It's,
1: ca- it's kind of like the, uh, the mockumentary of Fear of a Black Hat. Yeah. Which was a uh, Russell Kundeef's first big thing, where he wrote, directed, and starred in it. Um, for those not familiar with Russell Kundeef, uh, he was actually the head writer on the David Chappelle show. So, so you know this guy's funny. Yeah, um, this was a great movie. Great.
0: So, like, so <clears throat> you know, having Shaft as their first movie, I mean, that takes me back because I've yeah. watched it with my grandma, I've watched it with family. You know, mm-hmm. it's very essential, and then. The other choices that we're going to have because season three is going to be a little bit longer than what we've had for season two, right. so we're going to try to have like five movies on this one. So they're going to just range whether it's sci-fi, horror, you know, old school kung fu, black exploitation, um, Tromaville movies. <laughs> Which we like, la- it was last week that we were going through a list yeah, of Tromaville I mean, movies. I
1: was surprised at how far back Tromaville went. Um, I don't know if they really, cons- if it was actually part of the specific group that did Tromaville or, or Tromaville actually just picked up a couple of the licenses for some of these older movies because there's one back in from 1967 in there. And I was yeah. like, I don't think they've been around that long. Maybe like the 70s and early 80s but
0: like we we were surprised and who knows we may actually do like a Tromaville related episode because just going through that list it was just that
1: might have to be one of the geeking around tables after we give them the Tromaville you know movie to watch and then we'll we'll just have a Tromaville centric episode
0: that actually sounds good because I mean Tromaville had a lot of good movies Mm -hmm. like aside from the campy ones like you know, Toxic Avengers, Sergeant Kabuki Man, and, you know, Nukem High and all those, they actually had some very serious drama related or serious horror related movies. Right. And that was just surprising as, as all hell. Yeah.
1: Well, and if you really, really think about it, uh, Grind House is the current version of Tromaville, really. Yeah. Because it, it is based on campy overtopness. Uh, it's very obvious. It's bad special effects, low-budget style, but you know, still kind of has a really good story, but mm-hmm. if you can get over some of the
0: over-campiness of some of it. I mean, one Grindhouse movie that I can definitely think of, and it's our favorite because it has our favorite actor on there, Danny Trejo. Exactly. Machete. Machete, yes. And Machete Kills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm upset that they still haven't done Machete Kills again in space. Exactly that. That was one was I was looking forward to. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> and I know that because they did the Ground Grindhouse series with um, Tarantino and um, Robert Rodriguez. They did um, um, the zombie one and then the car one. That was all in the same movie.
1: Yeah, the the double feature basically. Yeah. Um, they, Which had the, the the trailer for Machete, and because of that trailer,
0: everyone was like, "What is this movie coming out? We want this movie!" Like they actually released quite a few movies yeah. off of that um, werewolf women of the SS <laughs> that was directed by Rob Zombie. They actually made that movie. Wow! I yeah, guess they we'll actually they actually
1: did. Did Nicholas Cage actually star in it? Like, um,
0: I don't even know because they changed up some stuff.
1: Yeah, like they kind of did with the. Uh, Machete. Yeah. Because it was supposed to be, uh, oh, what the heck is his name? Uh, Benicio Del Toro was supposed to be the main guy, but then they, they swapped him out with Robert De Niro. Yeah. So Toro, De, no- De Niro, it sounds about the same. Close Almost, off, yeah.
0: Yeah. It yeah. looked the same, too. Um, They never released, I think they did Thanksgiving, though, as well. I'm going to have to take a look at that. But I, I think not only should we do, like, a trauma one, but we should do, like, a trauma slash Grindhouse episode. That might be fun to do. Because there's a lot of good Grindhouse movies out there from back in the day as well. Oh, yeah. And, like, technically, Tromaville movies would be considered a form of Grindhouse as yeah. well. Just more campy.
1: Like I said, that's why Tromaville... Was the initial thing, but then Grindhouse is the current version of it. Yeah, I mean, no, not knocking, you know, the the style of Robert uh, Rodriguez and you no know, and whatnot, but it, it is meant to be kind of campy, and I think they can say that's where they're going. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, they aren't trying to take it super seriously, and that's one of the the fun parts of it, I think.
0: Right, and that's why people enjoy the movies. Exactly. So, another idea that we'll have to pin down. Yeah. Um, so, what would be one of your fun experiences overall with doing the podcast? Oh well,
1: that that's that's a lot of questions there. Um, again, I I would say that the the most fun I've had doing this podcast is just the. The new experience to me, because again, I've I've very much detested um, having to talk even on the phone because of previous work experiences and whatnot. Um, so, just being able to be out here and doing this was completely a new experience for me, and just being able to spend time with with you know yourself and. And being here and working out on some of these things, and just being able to discuss some of them is—some of them are very, very fun, interesting things to talk about. Some are new, new things to talk about, and some are just like way off the wall things to talk about. That you know, I don't think most people would have even thought about talking about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: At least not not in a uh, logical sense, which is why we are the logical madness. Exactly.
0: Now, I do have to talk about one fun experience that I did have with this show, with the podcast and the entire just experience, mm. you know, aside from the movies, right. the movie challenge. Um, <clears throat> and it has to do with, and I never thought I would ever mention someone in the porn industry as much as we have mentioned <laughs> our Lord and Savior, Axel Braun. Yes. Which, is always, thank you, Axel Braun. Thank you, Axel Braun. Thank you. So, because <laughs> because just the discussion, how he just came about, you know, just talking about different comic book movies and Actually, everything. I
1: think the thing that initially brought it up, if I re- remember correctly, was um, the introduction of myself on the podcast. That's right, yes, yes. Because we were talking about things, and then I mentioned... Um, the uh live action remake stuff, and I said the best live action remakes were are made by Axel Baron. and that was what brought up the initial con- thing, and we we just made it into a running gag since then.
0: Exactly, and by far, in my opinion, it is the best running gag of all podcasts mm-hmm. ever. You know, that's just me personally because yeah. we're kind of biased like that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on, there have been podcasts where people do talk about porn. Movies yeah. and everything else. But to have someone mentioned as much as we've mentioned him. And I think we've mentioned Axel Braun like for the past... At least last couple of months. At least last least, two, three months. So that, that encompasses probably like eight, nine... I'll say between eight to ten episodes, yeah. honestly. Because this episode is going to be officially episode 36. <laughs> and we... Kicked this off on episode seventeen, honestly, yeah. whenever I did the um, second Imperfect Beginnings um, monologue. So <laughs> it's just crazy that we've mentioned him so many times.
1: I'm surprised he hasn't, you know, gotten in contact with us to stop talking about him, you know.
0: Or at least yeah. offer us that walk on cameo yeah. something. I mean, come on.
1: You know, <laughs> Which is kind of a, a side note of what we were doing before we, we started recording today, that the, the Cody Coach thing we were watching.
0: Okay, yeah. So, okay, so just to give a little more personal insight to my life, um, I've been dating a wonderful woman for six months now. And we like to watch YouTube. Um, I actually introduced her to some of the things I like, like Chiseled Adonis, um, some of the Burkle Dandelion um videos relating to Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. That's how she actually started playing Xenoverse 2. Um but she likes to introduce me to um different videos. So uh Cody Co, who is one of the members of um TMG, the Tiny Meat Gang. Uh they actually do have a podcast, the Tiny Meat Gang podcast. So shout out to Cody and Noelle. So Cody and Noelle have their separate um, YouTube channels, but they also will hop on, like, Cody's quite a bit, and they'll do um, cringe videos. They'll just break down different things, and it's very hilarious. Well, we watched one about um, GT Dave, who who, um, owns his own kombucha um, company, and... For those who drink kombucha, you're probably drinking some of his products right now. And they did a two-part um, deal. The first one was just his um, interview on Forbes and how he was in his house and alone and some of his mannerisms. <laughs> like. And I agreed whenever I first watched this video, the dude looked like a supervillain. His house was like a fortress- you know, very
1: very uh, spacious, to say the least, at least of what they were showing.
0: Exactly. It was just nuts. And just, like, things that he was saying and <laughs> his actions. It was just, and it was just crazy. Um, so we watched that before we actually started recording. And then we watched the second video where GT Dave actually invited Noah and Cody to his house. Now, for those who don't know GT Dave, I mean, he does own one of the biggest kombucha companies in the U.S. He was the first to actually bottle kombucha Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and sell it and distribute it. Um, You know, he's very intelligent. Um, A lot of people would, like, looking at him and his lifestyle, people would think that he's just a megalomaniac, he's just about money and everything, but... Actually, watching the video and watching him actually speak, that dude is just down to earth. As
1: down to earth as he can be with multi million dollars, so but you know, uh, no 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 shade being thrown at him. But
0: yeah, like honestly, he'd be the type of dude that you'd actually want to hang out with. And he's he's willing to poke fun at himself,
1: which is which is one of the best uh, attributes anybody can really actually have because anybody who takes himself way too seriously is going to have problems. Exactly. Because um, e- even the, the point of what, because they were talking with him on, you know um, how he was able, how he initially came upon their video talking about the Forbes video. And he's talking about how apparently someone sent it to him on Instagram initially. And then apparently he got contacted by um, one of his
0: yeah, someone... office
1: people, whatever, uh, claiming that there were that he was being targeted by <laughs> by a couple of people, and they they and he asked them, "Well, is the video even f- at least funny?" And they're like, "Like, I can't even watch it." And then he was like, "Okay, well, whatever, I'll, I'll look at the video later because I'm in at the dentist right now." And he went to watch the video and he's like, "This is fucking hilarious." <laughs> exactly, he enjoyed it. So like, I I gotta have these guys come over and hang
0: out. And he personally invited them to his house. So just seeing how down-to-earth he is, how funny he is, I mean, hell, I would like to party with the dude. Now, granted, we, we made a couple of jokes about about him because, you know, the first video, yeah, he did look like a super villain. He did. He
1: was like... <laughs> uh, well, even the point where they, they made the comment of because, well, for anyone who... who who's going to watch the video. There's going to be a point where he's sitting there, and he, he's he got the very stereotypical staring off at the nothingness and petting an animal going on scene in, in, in the in the Forbes video. Yes, yeah. And they make a comment about this, too. Later on, the comment actually comes full circle when, the, when they go visit him at his place. And they, they're coming around the corner and seeing it, and they're like, oh, my God, he's got it now. He's got the thing that we thought it was initially.
0: Yeah, so in the in the first video, in the interview with Forbes, he was petting a rabbit, but they thought it was an owl. But in the second video, when they went to visit him, he actually had an owl. And he was just standing out, looking, observing his kingdom, pretty much. So it was epic. Um, so, yeah, um, once more, shout-out to the Tiny Meat gang, Noelle and Cody, shout-out to... GT Dave. I mean, watching that video almost makes me want to drink kombucha. Um, I, know I don't it, even know what kombucha is, and I want to try it now. It, but it,
1: it's remember, a, it's not an energy drink.
0: That's right. <laughs> it is not a soda. It is a health drink. Exactly. Um, definitely just go on um, Cody's um, YouTube channel, Cody Co., and watch some of his videos. They are funny. They are interesting. Um, him and Noel are not ashamed to poke fun at themselves during these videos as well and it's just a good light hearted type deal um so <laughs> so so yeah axel braun we're waiting for an invite to come to your place and, and hang out at your house exactly if you ever do listen to our podcast and same with jim Cornette. Well, I don't think he'd let us in his place. Either. No, definitely not. He wouldn't let us in He, he doesn't even let most people in his place. <laughs> I mean, he probably, like, just hearing a shout-out from him would actually be pretty epic, even though we, it won't happen. Yeah. You know, just saying, but... He'd probably
1: say, I sound like a 14-year-old girl, but hey, you know.
0: Hey, you know, just, just as long as we get something yeah. out of it. I mean... He can roast the hell out of this show, and I'll be like, dude, Jim Cornette is talking about us. He knows about Dude, us. he's talking about <clears throat> us, man. Just sweet. You know, you almost sound like Matt Riddle with his damn bro nuts. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways. Um, so, what would be, in our opinion, what would be the crowning point episode that we've done? <sighs> because, you know, I've been thinking about this. What would be the ultimate crowning point, the one that really showcased us as a whole, as Internet Wonderland? You know, it could be one of the Geeking Around the Tables, it could be one of the other episodes. You know, what is that crowning piece for season two?
1: I would probably say our crowning, the crowning piece that we've had was probably our last geeking around the table because that was at the point where we were able to get all five of us here all at once, and we were able to just kind of reflect on things a little bit, uh, discuss some minor bits and pieces, talking about the uh, RPG community, I believe is what we were talking about last time, Yep, yep. and RPG games and whatnot, and it was a very good uh, get-together for all of us and everyone finally being able to see you face-to-face-to-face-to-face-to-face (laughs) <laughs> the face.
0: So yeah, yeah, you know, I'm definitely gonna have to agree with that one. The final geeking around the table was definitely the crowning moment. Just to have everyone here, yeah.
1: and, and we all managed to survive somehow.
0: That is true. We did somehow, some way, we managed to make it through without killing one another, and that is a beautiful thing. Yeah, and we were
1: able, we were even able to get Pokemon Matt to to. Uh, interact a little bit more i no. mean a little more than he did when it was just us three but <laughs> yeah
0: I, I think he'll probably do better with the entire group here yeah you know whenever he's not playing pokemon on the switch yeah pretty much you know he, he he's a newcomer to the podcasting thing, yeah. like everyone else is so he'll he'll get used to it he'll he'll come around by season three for sure hopefully maybe kind of. I mean, of. he's already excited for the Pokemon episode that we may do. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, something, something to get him more interacted with with everything that we do. So, you know, it, as I said before, it is bittersweet going back and talking about the episodes and you know, just the fun that we had. Um, there... You know, it's just a learning experience with everything. And hopefully we'll just keep growing and it'll just keep getting better. And, you know, we'll be able to have a lot more fun with this. And, you know, it's just been a wild ride overall. You know, I definitely have to thank everyone who has been involved. Um, Definitely big thanks to you because you 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 contributed you contributed a lot with season 2. I
1: did. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I, I again appreciate giving
1: me this opportunity to to help out and like that it's definitely a big um new experience for myself and I've enjoyed it. Um again I I've been under a lot of time constraints due to my 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 job but right about the middle of next month, I think, is when my shift will shift back to what my normal shift is. So I'll be a little bit more Flexible. able to flex yeah. up, be be here for a little bit longer to to uh, do some other things. But. Mm.
0: I do have to talk about two instances that didn't pan out. Uh-oh. Um, because during season two, I was supposed to do two interviews. One being no. part of the dating relationship series, which... I was going to discuss um, dating and BDSM with um, Nookie Notes. Yeah. And I've mentioned Nookie before. Um, She has the website known as Dating Kinky. She's on FetLife. She travels, um, giving um, seminars relating to the BDSM community. Um, And then the second interview, I was supposed to interview uh, Snowy Pretends Eagle, who is a model. She is... um, uh, she's an activist for indigenous rights. Now, with with Snowy, I'll be able to interview her for season three. There were some technical difficulties. Um, I'm slightly upset that I never had the chance to do the BDSM episode like I wanted to. There were some things that came up. And once those things came up, I never heard from Nookie again. Which, okay, things happen. Right. It's perfectly fine. You know, she has her businesses. She has her podcasts, and everything she does. But, you know, it would have been nice to be able to do the episode. But don't you worry, because we will be doing that episode in season three. I will be contacting other people that I know in the BDSM community that will be able to give their insight about dating while being in the community while being kinky and also about um, dating someone who isn't in the BDSM community. So, because there's a lot of dynamics with that. So we're going to be discussing that during season three, maybe around Valentine's Day, because I think that might actually be a good episode to do.
1: That would be a, a very uh, good point to put it at because <laughs> it makes some sense, you know, relationships slash
0: Romance. Valentine's Day.
1: Well, well, I look more forward to, uh, you know, the 15th of February more than I do the 14th, but yeah. You know.
0: Of course, the half-price candy. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's the best time ever. Exactly. So, but anyways, <clears throat> I think it's time to go ahead and end on a high note. Um, whenever I started season one, I would always do like the nice little affirmations, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I wanted to end with an affirmation something a little more positive because we are going into the holiday season we are going into a new year and we all know that 2020 by far was the most fucked up year ever yeah you know We've had civil unrest. We've had the virus. We've had so many things that happen And so many deaths, so many tragedies. But, you know, it's, for everything that <clears throat> we have went through so far with this year, It's made us appreciate those smaller things again.
1: Exactly, yeah. I, I have personally said before, uh, one of the things I'm actually most grateful in my life is the bad things that happen to me. Why? Because if it isn't for those bad things, you don't know what the good things are
0: exactly. that's happened to your life. Exactly. So, and this isn't one of those take the good with the bad type right. speeches, not by any means. This is one of those appreciate the little things in your life because you never know when a tragedy is going to hit. You never know when the next big virus is going to pop up. You never know when there's going to be another incident with civil unrest. Oh, sorry. There's one going on right now in Washington that we won't discuss.
1: It's, yeah um, I I will say The the old analogy is Never let a Good tragedy Be wasted When it can be used for Political gains
0: Exactly
1: And that, that is an unfortunate issue With a lot of things going
0: on right now Yeah So we have to be able to appreciate What it is that we have Today Yes We have to be able to enjoy the moments that we took for granted. And it's important to reflect on everything that we have now because so many people have lost so much. And you never know when you may lose something. So take a moment, reflect, find thanks in the things that you still have. Find comfort in your family and in your friends. Think about all the things that went right for you during this time. And be thankful that you're still here on this world to see a dawn of a new year and to have a new beginning of sorts. But yet, let's not forget about all that we've went through this year. Because everything that has occurred is a defining moment that will shape us for the rest of our lives going forward. And we can't take it for granted. We can't take those little moments for granted whatsoever. You know, I'm thankful for my friends, I'm thankful for my family, because I don't know where I would be today if I didn't have So, take a moment. Reflect and be thankful. We have a lot of ground to cover with the new year. I think we should start it off on the right foot. So, with that being said, this is... Officially the end of season two for Cheshire's Place, A Looking Glass in Logical Madness. As always, I have been your host, the melodious one, Mr. Cheshire, along with the man, the myth, the legend, Monkey. And on behalf of all of us here in Internet Wonderland, including Spoinkle Bob, Baby Allie and Pokemat, we would like to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for joining us every week to soar the digital airwaves as we go down the rabbit hole and look inside the looking glass of logical madness. Join us again during the new year for Season 3. Until then, good night. Sleep well. And Monkey, do you have something to say to them? Yes. I love you all. And we love you all. Thank you again. We'll be on sometime during the new year to give an update on season three and when it will start. Good night.